Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. Almighty Father, King of the universe, my Savior Jesus Christ, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you have always been good and you will continue to be good. Circumstances might not be good. Life might not be good. I might not be good. But you are always good. We proclaim your goodness this morning. We thank you and praise you for your goodness. And apart from you, we can do no good thing. So I ask that you would help us hold tight to you. That you would help us to press closer. To want more of you. To want to be more like you. In every room in our heart. In every aspect of our minds. Wherever we walk. Wherever we talk. Wherever we are. That we would look more and more like you. That we would love more and more like you. That you would teach us to abide, to rest in you, to see how you see, to listen the way you listen, to be waiting and ready to be your hands and feet to the people around us. That we would delight in your goodness towards us. And that we, from that overflowing, would share that goodness with others. That they might see you. We ask all of this in the beautiful and powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ. Our Savior, our King, and our Friend. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for indulging me. Appreciate it so much. Appreciate you guys so much. Good morning, everyone. Like our new setup. <laughs> A little leftover from last night. Uh, thank you again from from the bottom of my heart for everyone that participated in oh every aspect of last night, uh, which I cannot tell you or express to you how. grateful I am to you all. To to put forth a a vision and not try to sell it every day. (laughs) But have people see the vision, take their part in the vision, make it their own. And then express joy and thankfulness in the midst of all of it. You know what that is? That's worship. That's worship to the king. It's bringing everything to him and saying, you know, you made me for this. And you made this opportunity for me. So I'm going to grab a hold of it and I'm going to do whatever I can to do the best I can. And honor my Father. That is worship. We worshiped last night. We didn't sing any, we sang a couple worship songs, but we worshiped last night by doing service to the King. And 
hoping that people were going to come through those doors that never heard about him. Now, that didn't happen in droves last night, but it's coming. It's coming. And God kind of gave us a, a, a trial run and a, and a way to test things out and, and see what works and what doesn't work. But again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for coming along on this ride with me. Uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys and love you dearly, because I truly do. Followers, disciples in the wild. Can you believe it? This is week five. Week five, and I foresee us going for at least five more weeks. Uh, at least with the things that I have in store and whatever Mike and Joe when you know when Mike and Patty come back and and when Joe comes up here, I'm not sure how long. This might be one of our longest sermon series because I think it's that critical. Because you know, last night was was that we were in the wild last night. You know, we opened the doors for the wild to come into our our place, our community. You know, we were making opportunities for that to happen, and for disciples to live in the wild. We need to have that kind of joy and that kind of ownership of what God has called us to do. Because, see, that's when they, when the, when the people that live in the wild and exist in the wild and who are actually dying in the wild see people who are alive, they're going to gravitate towards that life. And when they see the light shining, they're going to gravitate, gravitate towards the light. So that was the other thing that was special about last night. We were, we were opening up ourselves for the wild to come in. And so that we could speak love to them and, and grace to them. And, and just the beauty of being alive. And being excited about what God has asked us to do. And there was no preaching last night. Imagine that. Community. Disciples living together, followers that follow Christ with all their heart, with, all, with everything that's in them, living together in community and taking part of each other's dreams and visions and, and making it happen. See, the people that live in the wild are looking for something like that. They're looking for something real and tangible. And last night we gave them a, slight, a little picture. You know what? Maybe Christians aren't that stuck up. Maybe they do know how to have fun. Well, wait a minute. Maybe they're not so cold, distant, judgmental. See, that's why the beauty of just last night or things like that, events that we can do that can introduce our community to the people that live in the wild. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Teaching them to observe all the things that I taught you. Teaching them to to live the way that I have asked you to live. Generously. Compassionately. Passionately. Alive. See, because that's going to draw people to me. Because you're lifting up my life. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Not just some. Not just the ones we like. Not just the ones that we're comfortable with. All men. So, being disciples in the wild is a wild thing. Crazy things. And so far, this series has been more about being a disciple, more concentrating more on the, uh, on the inner workings of a disciple, the do's of a disciple. We're going to get into a little bit of do's today. It's been a long, a long time coming. We're going to get into some of the to-do's, but it's going to be a different approach as well. 
our core verse has been this, John 14.6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is, then as followers, as disciples, we must walk after him, follow him. We said abiding was staying with him. It was the, the Jewish word for abide meant to actually make a home with. And it was used in the marriage context. So we are married to Jesus in the sense that we are so committed to our, to our covenant with him that we'll follow him wherever he leads us. Even into the wild. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We must walk in the way, the truth, and the life. And, you know, most of us have this. We have one of these or several of these in our home. And there's a funny thing about this book. It might seem a little strange or or peculiar. When I read it, when I dive into it, I find that nowhere in here does it ask me, for my way or my truth or my life. It never asked me for my opinion. I find it very funny that God did not leave blank pages for me to write my own opinion in here. My own ideas of how life should work. There's margins. I write in the margins. You probably all do too. But I got lots of pages where there's so many margins that you can't read my margins anymore. But I mean, there's God did not care to leave me blank pages to write what I think about the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't that, that's pretty amazing. Right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a decent speaker. I'm a different scholar, you know, a decent scholar. But God didn't ask me for my opinion. Now, God cares about my opinion. God cares about my thoughts. And he cares about your thoughts and the way you interpret his word. He cares about it all. But he never asked me for it. More importantly, he's never asked me to, to include it in here. It is his way. It is his truth. It is his life that we follow. I do not want you following Jay's truth, Jay's life. When Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, he was basically saying, just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. He was just doubling down on it. So I'll say the same thing, you know, you know, follow me as I follow Jesus. And if I stop following Jesus, stop coming here or get rid of me. And it's his way. It is his truth. It is his life that we must have in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, in our souls, in our words, in our opinions, in our social media rants. Everything is his way, his truth, his life has to permeate everything that we do and say. Otherwise, we cannot effectively change the wild. We can't. God loves our thoughts. God wants to hear our opinions. He loves when we try to interpret his word and put it into our own words sometimes so we can understand it. But he never, never, ever wants us to add it to this. This is the truth. And although, you know, it's come to kind of, I just was trying to be a little humorous there. I'm really serious about that. Because there are days... There are days when my pain or my anger or my reasoning, my sense of justice, my wisdom, oh, that's funny, my wisdom, or all of them combined create solutions I believe solves everyone's problems. 
There are days when I think I could sit you all down one by one and solve all your problems. There are days I think that. Thankfully, I don't tell you that. (laughs) But there are days. And that's nothing on you. That's all on me, all on my arrogance and pride sometimes. I think, you know what, if I could just sit this person down and explain it to them and reason it out, they would be different, they would be better. And God's behind me saying, really? You think that's going to work? How's that working for you? Because I am my own biggest critic and my own biggest counselor. And guess what? You are too for yourselves. That's why we need to know this way, this truth, this life. I imagine things being better for me and for others if God would just listen to me sometimes. If he would just listen to me sometimes, I think I could explain it out. So he would agree with me. And then I realize, because of the gentleness of God, that his ways are higher than my ways. His life is better than my life. His truth is better than my truth. His ways are always better. And the wrestle with all that, for me this week, has been, been trying to quiet my pride. Just to try to quiet my pride down. Because I, yes, I'm a man of vision. I have, you know, I'm already thinking about the next steps of where to take this particular thing. And God says, will you just enjoy the moment? Just enjoy the moment. And be grateful. Be thankful. That although maybe to some people that came, they couldn't see the way, the truth, and life right out in the open. It was here last night. Because we were here. And because Jesus is with us and in us and breathes through us and lives through us and helps us walk in his way as disciples that live in the wild. So sometimes I've got to quiet the pride in my head and realize I don't have all the solutions. I don't have all the answers. I can't figure everything out. I just have to let Jesus live through me. See, you never really have to teach a lion to be a lion. If you meet a lion in the wild, a lion is going to act like a lion. He's not going to act any differently. And that's the way we are to be out there. Because we have the lion of Judah in us. So how we act in here, and it's a lot safer to to be a Christian in these four walls... But out there it's different. But we're not supposed to be different than what we are here. Where it's safe to sing songs and fellowship and say Christian things to each other. And there are people hurting and dying out there that need to know Jesus. And sometimes I walk out of these four doors and I'm so self-consumed with my own stuff. That I forget that there's a lion inside of me. I don't want to do that anymore. And I have a sense that you don't want to be that way either. And it's not, it's just being human. It's just being human. There's nothing, nothing simple about that. It's just, we're tired and we're worn out. I understand that. I'm so far off my notes, but it's okay. Can I just tell you how precious you are to God? 
each and every one of you. God simply adores you. He does. He always has. He always will. And there's a preciousness and and a treasure inside each and every one of you that He wants to release into the wild. I'm not saying you you haven't already released your treasure to the the people that are in your lives, the people that you have influence over. But I'm saying that there's more. But you're probably here this morning saying, I don't have anything left. And God says, oh, no. You have so much treasure inside of you. You just have to release it. And the treasure, I'm not talking about your time, and I'm not talking about your money, and I'm not even talking about your talents. I'm talking about who you are. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You have the Holy Spirit embedded in you. He's a part of you. He lives inside of you. He helps direct your thoughts, your plans, your opinions, everything about your life. You are in situations now that God is saying to you, I have something to say to you, I have something to do through you that is going to change someone's life, but you might not even notice it. There is power in you that you don't even realize you have. Again, it's not the power in what you can do. It's in the power of who you are. See, there's a story inside of you that I have been uh, directing from the beginning of time. And this story is meant to change other people's story by introducing you into their story. Because really what you're doing is introducing my son into this story. The Holy Spirit is saying that you are, I place you in places where you are rewriting people's stories. And you don't even know it. Because I'm speaking through you, I'm loving through you, I'm directing how you're thinking towards these people. You have thought about them one way, and now you think about them completely different. And God says, that's me. And I'm going to continue to do that so that they see in you what I want them to see. And I want them to see my son. See, God is doing something. He's saying... Don't minimize what I'm doing in your life. It may seem like it's a daily routine. It may seem like nothing is changing. It may seem like, well, I just go there and it just seems the same day after day. But God is saying, how I work is not how you work. I work differently. And what I am using in you, I'm speaking truth, I'm speaking life, and I'm speaking the way through you. You just have to trust. Okay, I just went a little bit prophetic there. But I mean, God is really kind of trying to get us to understand that our impact in the wild is a lot deeper than what we think. 
or what we give ourselves credit for. Not that we give ourselves credit in the sense of, oh, no, great J, but give ourselves credit for, wait a minute, I am being faithful here. And God takes faithfulness very seriously. Don't look down on your faithfulness to what God has called you to do, even though it may not seem like anything is different. He sees the bigger picture, right? And sometimes he gives us a glimpse into what's happening. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he just doesn't. But he's asking us to be faithful. And I know he's, he's just reminding you because you already are faithful. He wants you to realize that, oh, he's pleased with this faithfulness. I sense this overwhelming pleasure of God here. Taking pleasure in his sons and daughters. I hope you can feel it. I can feel it. I can hardly contain it. That's why I'm so far off the notes. We may never get there. <laughs> but I just feel like he really wants you to know. To start to process. To start to believe. To start to receive what he's saying about you. You are his precious ones. You are powerful and mighty because He is in you. You're asking for focus. God says you've been asking for focus. God is going to give you focus today. The things that you have not been able to focus on, whatever that is, God is going to release focus today. He's doing it today. The things that you have found, you are finding hard to accept. Circumstances, whatever it might be. But you're finding it really, you know, you, it's not that you've been fighting against God, but you're, you're, you're struggling with the acceptance of it. And the acceptance of it is key to your next step. God is saying, I'm going to help you find that today. Find that acceptance. I'm going to help teach you how to do that. I don't know what that means for each and every one of us, but that's exciting to me. Because there's a lot of my life that I still, you know, I've shared this for the past couple of weeks. There's a lot of my life I have not accepted yet. I'm working on it. I'm processing it. I am surrendering it to it. But God is saying, today is a different day. Today's a different day. It's a focus, it's acceptance. And God says there's, there's a release in, 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 in something that you've been praying for. Today it starts to be released. It's not like he's been withholding it from you. It's just now time. I don't know what that is for each and every one of us. I'm sure it's all different. I'm sure you might not even be thinking about that, but I'm just telling you that God wants to release something that you've been praying for today. There's a lot of things being removed today. There's some things I can't even see, but I just sense that God is saying, I'm removing certain things. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm removing the debris field that's been built up. That, is, that has been... It's been hard for you to see over. There's been this debris field. There's this, this rubble that's been in front of you for so long 
that it's made it hard for you to see where God is leading you. Father is saying, I'm removing that rubble today. I'm not saying it's all going to be gone today. I'm saying he's starting to clear the path. Why is he doing this? Because he loves you. Because he cares about you. I don't know about you, but that rubble pile for me, I'm the one that built that rubble pile. God didn't let that happen. There were choices that I made. All of a sudden, I'm on my tippy toes trying to trying to see over it, and then I wonder how that thing got there. I'm a good rubble pile maker. I don't know about you. We are in reality. He wants to restore focus. He wants to release something in us. He wants to remove anything that gets in the way for us to, to abide with Him in such a way that we never are separated from Him. In spirit or mind or thought or heart. In relationships. It is easy to do stuff for Jesus. And Jesus is saying... I don't need any more of you to work for me. I want you to work with me. And I want to help you focus. I want to, I want to answer some things that you've been praying for. And I want to remove, remove the debris field that's in front of you. Even if you built it. No combination. There is none in that. God loves you. God is for you. And God wants to move you to the next place that He has for you. I hope you could sense that here this morning. Okay? Uh, again, that was just, that was all prophetic. I am nowhere near my notes. Not really. Should I go on? You think so? Yes. You know, uh, when we got back to how I tried to start the sermon, you know what? Matthew 20, 20 26. Let's read this. We've read this earlier in this, in, in, when we started a sermon series. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. I love that. Excuse me. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for many. And then I want to read 12, uh, Mark 12, verses 30 to 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. If we didn't have the rest of the Bible and we had those two verses, we would understand Jesus completely. Because that is him. 
He did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world, to serve, to love His God, to love His people, and love others. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And in these passages, Jesus states clearly that this is the, that His way works. His way just works. His followers, we follow that example into the wild. A disciple is one who lives like Jesus, loves like Jesus, and sees the world like Jesus. Could you imagine if we could see the world like Jesus sees it? Even for a moment? Can you imagine how this world would be different if we could love the world the way that Jesus loves the world? Just imagine your family, your neighborhood, our community. If we can consistently love the people around us like Jesus loves the people around us. Could you imagine how it would be different if you could love yourself the way Jesus loves you? Wow, that could change your day. Changes my day when I can, when I finally see what, what's happening, when I, when I'm walking through stuff and all of a sudden, you know, I can sing this, the, the song, you know, the goodness of God and I recognize the goodness of God and then I realize, oh my goodness, He loves me. He really loves me. Changes Every way, everything about my day. It changes the way I think that day. It changes the way I post on social media. It changes the way I speak to people at the counter. It changes everything. Because I got a glimpse of my father loving me. Imagine walking in that 24-7. And that's why we need to abide with Jesus. So our mind starts to think the way that Jesus thinks. That our eyes start to work the way His eyes work. That we see into people's lives with truth. With life. With the way. And so then when we speak to people, it is not about what we want, about what we can give to them. Man, it changes everything. It doesn't matter if people get nasty at me out there. It won't matter if, I don't, if bills don't get paid. It doesn't matter about everything in between those things. If I can recognize that the Father loves me, it changes the way I see my world. And that's what followers of, of Jesus are supposed to do. Abide with Him so closely that we no longer think poorly of ourselves. And we no longer think poorly of the world around us. Doesn't matter who the president is. Doesn't matter who is in control of Congress. Doesn't matter who's on the Supreme Court. Doesn't matter what freedoms might be having taken away. Doesn't matter. The way I see life is through Jesus' eyes. And that looks different than what I can look through Republican or Democratic eyes. Doesn't matter. I need to see this world I live in. My worldview must be non-existent. I must have his worldview. His worldview is a lot different from the one I have.
But when I accept His, man, life works. It can't help but to work. I'm not saying it's easy. It is harder to walk in His ways. It is harder to see with His eyes. It is harder to love the way He loves. Of course it is. Because we're human beings and we fail at almost everything. We're really good at failing. God in His goodness and His grace empowers us to live like, like Jesus in this world. So that where we go, we change things because Jesus is in us. That's discipleship in the wild. It's learning how to love like Jesus. To live like Jesus. To walk in His truth. His way. Bring light into darkness. Man, it changes everything when we realize that we're loved by this God. That He's not just sending us out to do stuff. He's sending us out because, oh my goodness, He trusts us to do stuff. It's relational. And it's because He loves us. And because since the beginning of all time, He has designed us to do good works. Remember I said you're all pieces of work? We are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Before time. To do good stuff in this world. I don't know about you. That gets me excited. Gets me excited. John 15.4 Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You know the... How do you prove fruit is good? How do you know an apple is good? Or a watermelon? Or a peach? Or a coconut even? How do you know that fruit is good? By its taste? By its smell? By the pleasure it brings you when you do taste it? See, for fruit to be appreciated, that you have to experience fruit. With all your senses that you can. So the fruit in us has to be experienced by others that come in contact with us. They got to be able to taste God in our lives. See God in our lives. Smell the aroma of Christ on us. See, fruit is best when it's experienced. That's the real tangible of fruit. fruit, When people see it. When people notice it. When people want to partake of it. You know, you get a really great fruit salad, man. You know, everybody gobbles it up. It's gone. Because it's appealing. The smell, the taste, the textures. Well, our faith is supposed to be that way. The fruit that comes from our life. See, when people want to come and taste it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then when we abide with Him, when we live with Him, when we make our home with Him, our lives with Him, He produces fruit in us that other people want to partake of. We don't even have to worry about the growth process. He does it as we abide with Him. That is really cool. Fruit is just a natural byproduct of abiding with Jesus. So let me ask you a a different question then. I like asking you questions this morning. 
How do you get dressed in the morning? Slowly. But do you take time and thought into what you're going to wear this morning? Most times, probably. Maybe not every morning. Some of us are more fashion conscious than others. And that's okay. But you do think about getting dressed. For followers of Christ, it's true spiritually as well. To think about getting dressed. Romans thirteen fourteen. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The Greek word here for put on, for the, the phrase put on, means to clothe yourself. It means to sink into something. It means to enter into something. It means to invest in something. And here's something that really is really cool about this phrase. To put on means to assume thy, the identity. Assume the identity. Powerful phrase here. Take it apart a little bit deeper here. The Greek word for provision means to give a grant to someone, uh, to, ass- to assign a stream of income to someone, to invest in. So we could say that this scripture this way. Sink into Christ. Invest in Christ. Assume the identity of Christ and give no thought or investment for any other way in your life. Pretty powerful. This is pretty powerful. This is the start of the what to do about discipleship. Invest in Christ. Assume the identity of Christ. And this theme is repeated throughout Scripture. I'm just going to read a bunch of Scriptures for you. You can get the notes later, but just listen to these Scriptures. Galatians 3.27 For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself in Christ. Ephesians 4.24 And put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3.10 And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of the Creator. Just keeps on getting better. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as the elect of God, and you are holy and beloved, and you are, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And in Luke 24.49, Jesus says this, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And basically, just let's get dressed like Jesus. Let's put on Christ. These are instructional commands to put on, to dress ourselves, to to assume the identity of Jesus in in the wild. This is huge stuff. This is, this is our part of this. We have to actively decide to invest in a whole, a whole new wardrobe. So that when we get up in the morning, we clothe ourselves in humility. That's a big one for me. In righteousness. In all the things that Jesus is, that's what we want to clothe ourselves with. Love. Patience. Kindness, faithfulness, steadfastness, gentleness. There's no law against that, the Bible says. 
I want to dress like Jesus this morning. I want, I want to be so clothed in Christ that when I walk down the street, people will not see Jay, Jay they will see Jesus. See, when I, a long time ago, when I had long hair and a beard, yeah, I, would, I, like to, I used to like to just mess with people. People that used to like, take the Lord's name in vain. And so you would hear someone say, Jesus Christ, and I would say, no, I just look like him. <laughs> and people would go, what? But I want that to happen. I want people to mistake me for Jesus. So they don't see any, any agenda that Jay has when I walk out the doors. They only see Jesus. That's what I want. I want to, be, I want to put on the things that, that I can assume the identity of Jesus. So that there's no separation. And that's all they see. It's beautiful stuff. Because when I assume his identity, I find mine. His image defines who I am. Discipleship is discovering my identity, hidden in Christ, and living in freedom. I live in freedom because now I know who I am. Two greatest questions on the face of this planet every human being asks. Who am I and why am I here? All that is found in Christ. All that is identified and confirmed in Christ. So I don't struggle with who I am out there. Because people who struggle with who they are out there are getting eaten alive. Their identity is confused. And they will, when you don't know who you are, you will accept any identity that's given you. That's human beings do it all the time. This is why, through his word, how we discover who we are and who we are and why we're here. That's why we need his way, his truth, his life. Because I find my identity in him. And when there are, when are, when, when, you know, like I said before, anything can be stripped from you. I have a driver's license. That can be taken away from me. That driver's license in my wallet doesn't tell me who I am. My credit cards don't tell me who I am. My credit score doesn't even tell me who I am. My bank account doesn't tell me who I am. I still wear my wedding ring, but this doesn't define me who I am. You know, I'm no longer married to Christine. She's free with the father. But that didn't identify who I was, although I was a husband and loved being one. But I didn't identify who I was. Because it can all be taken away. Every freedom that we have can be taken away. There is only one thing that can never be taken away. And that's our identity in Him. He defines who we are. He alone gets to define who we are. Because He's our Creator. The way, the truth, the life helps me find who I really am. So when I walk out in the wild, I look like Jesus. I talk like Jesus. I live like Jesus. I love like Jesus. And I'm free. 
See, free people are dangerous people. Free people will do whatever the Father asks and go wherever the Father sends us. Free people are really dangerous. Not to people, but to the world, to the enemy of this world. To the, to the mistruths out there. To the miscommunications out there. See, that's why God wants you to, to have your focus. That's why God wants to release the thing that you've been praying for. That's why God wants to, to clear the debris field from you so that you can walk freer with focus, with intentionality. So that, oh, wait a minute, I know my father has my best interests at heart. So that answer that what I've been praying for, maybe it doesn't come today, but it's going to come tomorrow. Or it's going to come when God says it's time. Because my father is good. See? When you're hidden in Christ... Faith takes on a whole different dimension. Takes on a whole new dimension. Second Peter one three. Christine's favorite verse. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us into His own glory and excellence. We, the power to be like Jesus is from Jesus. Man, that is awesome. I don't have to worry about walking out there and being like Jesus because the power to be like Jesus is from Jesus. He enables me to live a godly life by His power. His divine power has granted to us some things. No. Many things. No. A few things. No, it says right here, all things. And what the Greek means for the word all? It means all. It means everything. There's a difference between when I say all things and God says all things. See, because I don't have the power to release all things in you. But God does. So can we believe his word this morning? Can we have faith in his word this morning? In his way, his truth, in his life? When he says he wants to give us all things so that we can live the lives, so that we can look like Jesus out there in the wild and in fact change, can we believe his word? Because his word says all things. Not some things, not a few things. Not just the things I like. All things. So... In every area where I think I can't live like Jesus, I'm wrong. Because that says I can. Because when I'm weak, he is strong. See, his word not only makes sense, it also connects. It connects with each other. We've got to believe this. We've got to believe this. All right, let me move on. John 15, 14 to 15. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. And that word friends means dear friends. Dear friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Being like Jesus is not transactional, it's relational. 
It's relational. It's receiving and accepting this great gift, our identity, our purpose, what we're made for, who we are, that we can put on these things and walk out looking, smelling, seeing, loving, just like the Father wants us to. And I don't know about you, there's something precious about when Jesus calls me his friend. The thing that I prize most in this life is when, I, when Father calls me his son. That's, that is precious beyond words for me. But when Jesus calls me his friend, whew, think about the friends in your life that you think are the closest to you. That you know if anything happened, they'd be right here, right now. Think about that, friend. And realize that that's the friend that Jesus wants to be to us. Off the charts. And then, think about that. And this, He does that because he calls you his friend. Not only, not only are you calling him as my friend to come here. He's saying, you know what? I'm your friend. Of course I'm going to be here. I don't know about you, but there's something precious in there. Something very beautiful. Luke 6.40. A disciple is not above his teacher. But, when every, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now, this is really cool. This is like, I'm going to take the Greek part for you. This is really cool. Jesus is saying that when you're fully trained... A change is over, going to overtake you. The Greek phrase, fully trained, means when you're prepared, when you're mended, when you're fully equipped, when you become who you ought to be, something changes. Fully trained is a lot about what that word that God just gave us. And I didn't even know that until just a little while ago. When he removes everything, that's an obstacle. When he helps you focus, when he reminds you that he will answer what you've been praying for, we are stepping into an understanding of student-teacher and realize that when we are fully trained, and that's going to take our whole lifetime, let's just admit that, that's going to take a whole time to be fully trained, but we are stepping into a place where that training is going to be put into the wild. This is what I believe Jesus is saying. And although we are still dealing with wounds and scars and hurts and things that are, we are struggling with, God says, you know what, I have, but I have mended you. But I've healed you because I've, I'm fully training you. And now I'm going, see, you don't need to be fully healed in order to deliver my message of hope out there. You just need to be vulnerable and real. Transparent about what God is doing in, in your life. The past two and a half years for me have been horrible. As I deal with the grief. And those who have walked longer with this, I, I, I know you understand. But what I'm saying is there's a, there's a vulnerability that God gives you. That, that when you speak to other people that don't know God about it, they get really intrigued of how you could be standing still. 
And so my answer to them is, is I can't say to them, because they're not believers, I can't say the grace of God, because they don't know what that means. But I say the goodness of God, and they kind of get it. A tickle in their ear, and they want to hear more. What do you mean the goodness of God? This can't be good. No, Christine dying is not good. But the goodness of God has kept me. See, that's part of being trained to go into the wild and speak out of our pain and speak out of our hurt and speak in of our wounded places. Because that's the, really the reality of where Christ is in our lives. Right? Those places. Not the places we already have victory. Where we're still struggling, where we're still, you know, dealing with our faith and these issues. That's the thing that attracts people. They want to know, wait a minute, I have the same things. I have people dying in my life. I have people sick in my life. I'm losing financial control. I'm, I'm, I don't have focus. They're, they're, they have the same issues we do. Because they're human. Our advantage is that we have this great and loving God that's helping us deal with these things. So when you put those two stories together, what happens? We make an impact. We, we give them different information. We give them truth. We give them life. We give them a way out of their situations and their circumstances. We give them the answer. The answer is Jesus. That makes sense? And just think about this for a moment as I close. Our life preaches the gospel we believe. Our life preaches the gospel we believe. Just let that sink in for a moment. I've said many times that our voice is not just the words that come out of our mouth. Our voice as a person is the sound that our life makes in the world. Hopes, desires, opinions, decisions all make up our voice. We preach the gospel we believe. If we believe this gospel, if we believe this, this word to be true, that his ways, his truth, his life to be true, the gospel that we preach will be life impacting. But make no mistake, if we preach another gospel, it is also impacting. So when I'm out in the wild and I'm aware of this gospel, the truth, the life, the way, the the sound that my life makes is different. But when I am lost in my despair or my hurt or my pain and I hide from him, the gospel I preach is a little G and it makes a different kind of impact in this world. See, I want people to be attracted by my fruit, not revolted from my truth, my fruit. I want my fruit to be fresh and vibrant and colorful and, and the, the, the aroma is so appealing. I want, I want my fruit to be alive, not something else. 
You see the point I'm trying to get there? Did I make that clear? If I didn't, let me know. It is really important. Our attitudes, our opinions, from social media to standing in the counter, you know, having someone in a line, waiting in line patiently, on the phone patiently, all those things. When we get into conversations and people want to draw us into their conversations about politics or about whatever hot topic issue, and all, all, all they want to do is stir up trouble or complain or, or, or argue, and if we can just not worry about bringing our truth into it, but the truth of who Jesus is into that. There's a difference there. There's a different gospel being spoken there. See, the gospel of Jay will never change anyone's life. But the gospel of Jesus always changes someone's life. Always. His word does not return void. Ever. Mother Teresa kind of said it better than I just did. (laughs) She said, following Jesus is simple, but not easy. Love until it hurts, and then love some more. Love until it hurts, and then just love some more. That's it. That's really it. Try to remember what God has said here this morning. Take it home. Think about it. Pray about it. Judge it. Confirm it if it's for you or, or maybe for someone that you know that would be helped by it. But know this. God loves you so much. So desperately. Desperately.